everyone. Welcome back for another episode of the Join Infertility Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Porter, and my hope is that you will join me on this road of finding joy, even in infertility. Hey friends, today I'm interviewing Jessica Bennett. She's one of these people that I knew parts of her story from afar because I just heard so many people talking about Jessica and her family, but I've never heard the full story until this interview. Jessica and her husband have three kids, but like I always remind you guys, you cannot judge the family picture and assume there was no pain. Jessica faced secondary infertility for years. I was so hurt and just broken and confused. I had no understanding of of how a family could be faithful and what we felt God was calling us to and have to keep enduring this amount of pain. And and I hurt for my husband and for my daughter and for me and for all the people that we had to keep going back to and saying, not this time and thank you for praying for us, but it didn't work. There were times where we would say, I know a baby will happen at some point, somehow. But then there'd be other times where we'd say, I don't know if the end is a baby, but God's doing something. I don't even know what that is, but God's, He's doing something. And that would get us to the next step. It didn't mean, you know, the next two months were going to be easy. It just meant I had the next breath. I love that. I have the next breath. I feel like that's such a great picture of what this journey means. Sometimes it's not about knowing your plan for your next cycle or if this fails, what am I going to do next? Sometimes all you can do is, God, with you, I have my next breath. Today's interview is going to be broken up into two parts. And as always, do not miss either one. Let's get started. Hey, Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Kaylee. I'm so glad we finally connected. My husband worked with you at Life Church, and um, we have just, like what we were talking about earlier, when people know that you deal with infertility, they always rem- tell you of all their friends who deal with it too. And I feel like your name has always been thrown out to me, like, you've got to connect with Jessica. So we did on Facebook, what, a couple years ago? Yep. I was just thinking through that. I had surgery last year to remove what they thought was a cyst. And you just, I think randomly, like a couple of weeks before my surgery reached out and told me all your story. <laughs> and you had mentioned in there that you had a cyst and you had to get it removed and it took your right ovary, but mm-hmm. you, you know, we'll get to your story in a minute, but you know, God still worked through that. And I thought it was really, I had that on my brain whenever I came out of surgery because they told me the same thing. Like it took your right ovary, mm-hmm. um, and I just remember, like, it was just really encouraging that I was like, oh, I already know somebody this happened to and, and God still works. So absolutely. Good. Absolutely. Good. I mean, that's, that's why I share so much. I think some people are like, okay, I've heard enough of your story. And like, you know how on Facebook you get those, um, it goes back to your memory, like memories, is it called or something that it brings yeah. back last year, years before, well, it will bring up to like six years or something. And so I feel like I'm constantly reposting, Oh my goodness, this was six years ago when they said we could never have a baby or like, and so everybody's like, we know we've heard just, but I just, but it's still a miracle. Today. It is still a miracle. And I just don't know who all needs to see that or hear that. And so I feel like God's just been so good with me and I, and I, I pray super hard that he'll just open my eyes to, I don't want to get in everybody's business or bug people, but, um, if somebody's going through this struggle that is so incredibly difficult, I, 
I don't want any of the the hurt and the hardship that we endured to be wasted. And I know in my heart that God never wastes a hurt, but, mm-hmm. um, but do, but I could, I could miss an opportunity to, um, to reach out to somebody or to just tell the story again for the hundredth time, um, and show the glory that's his, um, but just be there, be an open ear. I don't even have to say words, but just let them know I ha- I've been in that deep, dark, awful place. And I'm just, just, I'm just here. So, um, I'm glad God nudged me <laughs> to check in I with too. you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm super grateful, uh, for you too. And just all that you're doing with, uh, this podcast and just being a voice and a heart for all of us who have, who've gone through this journey. So thank you so much. Thank you for being on. So we've hinted. So why don't you start by telling us about your family? Okay. I would love to. So, um, my husband's name is Adam. Um, we met in 2002 while we were performing at a theme park in San Antonio. Um, love of my life, incredible guy, hilarious, very, full of life and in your face and fun and tell you how it is kind of guy. Um, we've had a crazy journey, lots of ups and downs, not only through infertility, but, um, went through some addiction stuff. He, um, is a recovering alcoholic and man, just to see the way that God has worked in and through all of this. Um, I can't wait to see what else he does, but just so far, I feel like we could just, talk all day about God and his goodness. So, but super grateful for him. He is my partner in everything. Um, and just, just my love for life. And then we have a little girl named Olivia, Olivia Grace. She's 10, just turned 10 in May. Um, then we have Elijah who is just turned five in May. And then little Selah, Selah Faith is 16 months. So we got, we got our plates pretty full. So tell us how you got your plate so full. I did. <laughs> yeah, I would love to. So um, back in 2006, seven ish, um, we'd been married for a couple of years. Uh, we were still in entertainment. We'd kind of done different things, cruise ships, theme parks, and we just felt like it was time to start our family. Um, and just we had no fear. We were just like, we're just going to start a family. We're going to do this and this. And um, so we started trying and, um, just no stress about it. Just going and um, it, we thought at that time it was taking a while. And so we were very busy and, and physically active in shows. And so as soon as we kind of calmed down and we had a break in performing, um, it took about eight months, but we got pregnant with Olivia. And, um, I just remember in that eight month time, um, just wondering like every month when it was a failed pregnancy test, like, what, what's going on? Like, I just thought this was going to be easy, like no more birth control and we're pregnant and and how it works. You know, I did, I really had no knowledge of, of there not being two lines on the pregnancy test, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and so we just, we kept going in faith, but I will say that there was definitely at that time, just this first inkling of, Oh my goodness, could something be wrong? And we were at that age where it was like, we were invincible and nothing was wrong with us and life was great. And so we kind of ignored it or denied it or whatever you want to call it. Um, but the fear kind of started setting in around five to six months of, "Mm, this is, this is weird. Um, but we just kept going. And then at that eight month mark, we did get pregnant, super grateful, 
just such a blessing with her. Um, she had a lot of colic in her early stages and, um, we took us a couple months before we were ready to say we wanted another one because it was a pretty intense bit of the beginning of her life. But, um, it about six, seven months in, we're like, okay, let's try this again. And, um, and so we started just not being real serious, but just not, um, we quit birth control again, just weren't, you know, trying not to think about it because by this point, we had already been through some of the fear of what if we can't get pregnant with Olivia. And so that thought for this time was, was present from the beginning. It had never been there, you know, at the beginning of trying with Olivia about a year into that and no baby, we thought, okay, something's weird. And so we were referred to a friend of ours had had some fertility issues. She said, you should just go to my doctor and, and see what they say. So we did. And all of that testing, I mean, for those who have gone through it, you know, but it's like, they test and test and retest and there's just so many things and it's crazy. And so they finished and everything was great. You look great on paper medically, all the numbers look good for him, for you. It's all, it's all good. So we're like, yay, there's nothing wrong. This is easy breezy. So then we started really timing and there were ovulation kits and, you know, things, our vocabulary completely changed. We knew none of these words and progesterone, all these numbers and the right time and body temperature, just crazy craziness. Um, and so we started kind of, um, in a not, not as invasive place. We started just taking Clomid and, um, nothing, nothing happened. So they said, okay, let's try some fertility treatment. That's a little more, more intensive. Um, let's do IUI. And so we thought, okay, but the only issue was it's pretty expensive for each round and our insurance covered none of it. And so, mm-hmm. um, we thought, okay, we're just, we're going to use what we've already saved and keep saving and just see how far we can go. And so, you know, we started the shots in my tummy and Adam would give me shots every day and everything was timed and do what we had to do when we had to do it. And, um, we're certain, okay, there's no issue. This is it. You know, we went in every couple of days and they told us how our numbers were looking. Everything was great. They were all honestly scared. We'd have multiples cause everything was, doing so well. Um, but again, no, no baby. So we did another one and another one and, um, and none, no babies. And so, um, I'll add here that in that, when I say we did another one, another one, it took months and months between each treatment because my body, um, made cysts, I was a cyst maker is what they, they said. Um, so when they would pump me with all those hormones, the shots, my body would produce along with all the extra numbers of good things. It would also produce a lot of cysts. And so then consequently the next cycle or maybe two or three cycles, we couldn't do a treatment because if I had lots of cysts like that, they didn't want to do treatment because it would just pretty much be pointless. And so, which is such a setback when you have to be told we're going to make you wait longer. Absolutely. And on top of it, I'm going to put you on birth control because that's what gets rid of the cysts. And it's like, what in the world? Like it was just so crazy mentally to think through all that, but also Mm -hmm. physically, like I felt it, but just thinking through what, what wear and tear that does on, on your body, like, It's just so, so, so much. And so I was emotionally crazy. How did you, during that, so the 11 days from insemination Mm -hmm. to when they do your test, what were those 11 days? I'm asking for a friend for me. (laughs) What were those 11 days like for you? Um, 
awful. <laughs> I, I don't know how. Were you crazy? I was crazy. Cra- crazy. Like that's what I was about to say. Like I'm not an, I'm not a confrontational person. I'm not a, I don't, my, my first emotion, if you, if you hurt me or if something is bothering me or, or hurting me physically, it's not anger. It's like, it's hurt. It's upset. It's like, uh, like hurt feelings. It's not, I don't get angry. I remember being in the grocery store in one of the 11 day stretch. And I was, I remember, I mean, I can clearly remember this emotion. I don't know how to get it back again, but I remember having this emotion of being furious because the produce that I was looking for was not in season and I needed it for my recipe. And I was so angry. I was like hot. Like my face was hot. Like everything was hot. It could have been the hormones that were making me have a hot flash too. I don't know. But I was so mad that my voice, I was, I was probably yelling like, and Adam was like, Jess, like it's squash. Like you don't, we, well, we're fine. Let's make something different. I'm like, I need that. Like I was, I was so angry and, and it never made sense to me in that window of time that that was completely irrational. <laughs> like it was it just in my, when my mm. state, it was, it, that was it. That just made sense. And so just every bit, plus I was, my body hurt I was counting not just the days, but like the seconds, like, and I read way too many things on the internet. Well, you could start getting this symptom at day, blah, blah, blah. And so if I barely felt like a, like a pull in my right side, I was like, Oh, something's happening. Something's in my ovary. Like just, it was bonkers. It was Mm -hmm. crazy. It was like, and you're having to live every second. Like you're living in that moment of it's going to be positive. And then you're like, Oh, wait a second. Let me it's also could be negative. And so every mo every moment you're having to live in both extremes. Yeah. And my husband kept like saying, Why are you like this is a happy time for us? Like this is exciting. This is hope. Like, why are you so depressed? And I'm like, Because this is just I thought the first time I thought it was just odd. Second time I'm like, Okay, this is a pattern. Yeah. This is who I am on in these eleven days. And it could be the clomid, could be all the hormones, who knows? But I just feel like it's also the emotional battle that you're having to fight every second yes. for those 11 days waiting for that moment. Absolutely. And for us, we had this sweet miracle baby that was at that time about two or two to three in Olivia. And so um, it was such a battle to in within me of I want to be the best mommy I can be for her and not miss these moments with her. And yet life, my life is completely taken over by all of this treatment and, Mm -hmm. and, and just stress over everything. And so that truly continued on for us for three years. Um, and I say that now and it, I, I mean, I just remember being, it's just when you're right in the middle of it, it's like, it's forever, forever. It's, it's, this is in my mind. It was like, this is life. This is always going to be life. Like I had seasons in that, within that season, like many seasons of just, just desperation, just God, I don't, I mean, I don't, I have no clue what to, what, what next step to take. I don't, I don't, should I just stop this? Like I want, I, Olivia at that time was asking all the time for a baby, a brother, or sister, all her friends were having brothers and sisters. And, um, you know, they say those things to you and, and it's innocent <laughs> on their part. But when it comes to you and the, as the hormonal mom pumped full of stuff to try to make a baby, it's like, I am letting this sweet baby down. I, my husband, like you just, 
you take on weight that isn't yours to take on it. I, I, you can, I did. I won't say you, but I definitely did. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's good. That's real good. So we went through that, um, no baby through all the three years. And by the last treatment, which was our fourth, our doctor said, listen, uh, you're a trooper. I don't, there's no point in doing another one of these. Your that your body does the exact same thing every time with no baby at the end. And so it would just be throwing money down the drain. You know, the max they really would do at that office is four rounds of IUI, unless you just really push, they would take your money, but, um, they would rather not if they saw the same thing over and over. And so he said, basically, I'm diagnosing you as something called second, um, unexplained secondary infertility, meaning we on paper can't tell you why you're not getting pregnant after having had a perfectly healthy conception and pregnancy with a first child. Um, at this point, we could try IVF. You're looking at 20000 plus without insurance. Um, or, you know, you can just keep trying. There's no reason, like we can say that you're not getting pregnant. So maybe you will on your own, maybe you won't. Um, you know, you could always consider adoption. Um, I want you to have all the options there for you, but that's kind of where we are. And so I just remember sitting in the office and it's like that. It's like all the movie, the shows that you see on TV or the movies when a doctor is telling you something and you, their mouth is moving and it's like the peanuts teachers like taught you hear noise, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's just like game over the world. Just, you know, it's just so much. And so I, at that point, I think I was just numb. Like I'm a crier. I cry when I'm happy, when I'm sad, everything in between. And I just, Adam didn't know what to do with me on the drive home. Cause I just like stared, like I didn't, I had nothing. I was so tapped out in every way possible. And I felt like through those seasons of, you know, failed pregnancy test after pregnancy test. Um, he and I both struggled. I mean, I don't ever want to negate his hurt and pain through this because I was a nightmare for him at times. Like he had so much patience and yet he was hurting because every time it was negative, it hurt him too. He wanted a baby. We prayed for a baby together. He wanted to grow our family as much as I did. Uh, He couldn't help me. He hated seeing me in pain. Um, and didn't know, you know, he was, he felt helpless. And so at that moment, he just wanted to fix it. And there was, there was no, there's no, there was no fixing it at that point. And we, we, again, we, we prayed through all of it. And, and I will not say that there weren't moments that, um, we didn't question God's plan. Um, we didn't think he disappeared, but we didn't know where he was, if that makes any sense. Like mm-hmm. we knew he existed. We loved him. We through all of it and knew in our hearts, he loved us, but we definitely questioned, are you for us? And do you, do you want us to have this baby? Like, it's a good thing. Like you want good things for us and we love you. And what, you know, I don't know that we ever thought, what are we doing wrong? But just what is wrong? Like we had so much, so many question marks and we were mad at him at times. Like just, ah, like, we want, there's so many people in this world who are having babies and they either don't want them or can't take care of them or, and we're, we're ready. Like why, you know? And, um, and so at that moment, Adam just, he, he finally just was quiet and we were just quiet and we would had to drive a ways to get there. And so basically an hour drive of us just staring. And I don't know that I checked in with God at that moment. If I'm honest, I think I just, 
I just was numb. And, um, and, and so, you know, finally, I don't know how many days later, but we obviously had to talk about it. And he said, Jess, I, I I can't make a decision for us. We have to make a decision together, but this is too, this is too much. Like, I really don't think IVF is where we should go next. Like number one, we don't have $20,000 just sitting in a bank. So we'd have to raise all of that somehow pretty quickly. Um, but on top of that, like you, your body has been through way too much. And aside from just, he said, look at our, look at your quality of life. Look at Olivia, look at what we have. I don't want this for you or for us or, and he said, but if you feel super strong, that's what we're supposed to do. And we pray and that's the direction we get. I, I will support it. I just, I really, really strongly don't think it's the right choice. And so my first emotion was just, it wasn't to the point of resentment, but just, uh, I don't, I don't know that I'm ready to just say no to that. I wasn't at that point, which is absurd because everything he said was right. Like he had sound mind. Like he, he did. I did. I did not at that time. I was still very hormonal and very, um, you know, once you get that dream or vision in your mind that you're going to get to have a baby in your tummy, I didn't know when I had Olivia in my tummy that that was going to be the last time I ever had a baby. And so I kept thinking, I didn't cherish it enough. I didn't, yeah, you know, like I didn't, every time she kicked, it was just like, Oh, she's kicking me. I didn't like say, Oh, she's alive. And like, I wanted that chance again. And I, I couldn't just, it wasn't like you just, you just snap your fingers or the doctor just says, this is this. And so you just say, okay, well then find that onto the next thing. It's like a, it's a, it's a, a desire of your heart that I do believe God, God puts desires in our heart. And I believe he follows through with his promises. And so I just, it just doesn't always look the way that we envision it or the, at the, the times that we envision it, I think is more so a lot of it. And so, um, I listened to him. I didn't say anything. I just sat for weeks. Honestly, I just didn't even know. I mean, I was, and in that time, Kaylee, it was so crazy. Cause it was like people who, who knew our story because we shared it very openly. Um, we're, we're trying so hard and everybody always does to say the, say whatever is the right thing. And they really are trying. And I believed that there were so many people who suggested adoption. You guys would be such a great family for adoption. You have so much love to give. And when they would first say it, I just, I got upset. Like, I'm not ready for that yet. I, I, I don't, the dream in my belly is not gone yet. I would just say thank you and try to be gracious. And then I just, it went right out of my head. Um, Adam and I had talked where we just, even when we first started dating that we wanted to adopt when we were dating, we talked about this, but it was going to be after quote, all of our biological children were born. Then we would adopt however many we wanted, you know, cause we had the perfect plan. And so, um, it took about, almost six months. Um, and, and I can't even tell you how many, how many times God tried to get a hold of us. But I think at this t- he knew he, he went before us. He knew exactly how long it was going to take and what it was going to take. And all those little voices of you would be a great adopted family, or have you thought about this agency or check in with this organization? Or those were all just little steps that were taken down the great big walls around my heart. Um, to open our, our minds and our ears to adoption. And, um, we were sitting in a catalyst conference, um, 
I'm in ministry and, and we go to these leadership conferences and a girl named Katie Davis got up. I don't know if any of the listeners have heard of her, but she's awesome. Kisses from Kate is an incredible book mm-hmm. um, that she wrote, but she is um, new from a young age. She wanted to do a mission work over in Africa. I told her parents she was leaving right out of high school and went over there and adopted 13 girls at that time. She got up on stage and told us this um, under the age of of 18. And she herself was like in her early twenties. And I just remember I was bawling and Adam was with me and all the people we were in ministry with at that time, I probably, and didn't, they knew of our journey, but didn't know why I was a blubbering idiot at the moment. I mean, literally was snotty mess, bawling, um, ugly cry. And Adam's looking at me like, are you okay? Like the hormones are gone. What's going on? And, um, I was like, everything she was saying, it's like, God was saying through her, what excuse can you give me? Like this, this 20 year old girl dropped everything. She's adopted 13 girls. She didn't know the first thing about being a parent. They've taught her how to be a parent. Um, God makes a way he makes a way. Like I just kept hearing him say, this is, this is what I'm calling you to. You just need to go. You just need to do this. And I knew nothing, knew nothing about what that looked like. Um, Adoptions close to my heart. We adopted my brother when I was two. He was infant. And so, I mean, it's always been close to my family, but I didn't know the process. I didn't know what it looked like. And that was, you know, 20 years before. So who knows if that's even the same as it was then now. Um, And so uh, Adam was like, we walked away from that little part of the conference and Ty talked and I said, I think, I think we're supposed to adopt. And he was like, okay. I mean, it was like no hesitation. (laughs) He was there, I think he just was waiting till we all felt the same, you know? And so, um, there were ironically, um, when you go to those conferences, there's like little booths out in like lobbies of different Mm -hmm. nonprofits or organizations. And there were, um, life song was there and all these different adoption ones were there, which is, I mean, it made sense because Katie was speaking, but in my mind, I was like, this is like all God's plan. Like, it could have been any organizations and it's adoption. Like this is, we're supposed to do this. And so I talked to a guy at the booth. He super encouraged me like right in that moment. He had no clue that that moment before I had just decided God was telling us to do this. Um, but he, he gave me so much encouragement. We didn't go with that agency, but he, he encouraged me. And so it was just little God things, little God moments all along the way. And, um, the next day I started calling agencies and, it was rough. It was hard. I'm not going to lie. It was so many questions, so much money. It was so expensive. I was like, God, you said go. And this is just as expensive as IVF, if not more like, what are we going to (laughs) do? Like, and then I talked to a girl at an agency in in Texas and she did a national, but mostly in Texas adoptions. And she said, listen, I just want to tell you, I've adopted four kids. And when I knew it was time to start this process and God told me to go, I literally had $50 in the bank and I have four kids, so don't use money as an out. God will make it happen. Um, Mm. She said, I'm not, she said, I'm not going to say it's easy. I'm not going to say it won't be turbulent, but, um, but God will make a way. If this is his plan to grow your family, he'll make it happen. And so that's all I needed. I mean, I, before her call, I'd had tons of calls. I was like, good night. What in the world? Like he said, go. And this makes no sense on paper, like monetarily and, just emotionally, we've already been through the ringer. And, but those little things, he was so good and faithful. Um, and I'm sure he, he 
he sent me lots of other ones and I just wasn't listening close enough. But those ones that he got my attention with, it was like, oh, okay, God, I hear you. I'm going, I'm going. And so we started the process again. I'll say it was intense, lots of background checks and inspections of our house and home studies and just craziness, um, paperwork, but, um, we got it all done. And within that next year we're, um, considered for two different placements, more than two, but two that came down to just us and one other family. And we're just certain both times. One of them, we talked to the birth mom on the phone and then both of those birth moms chose the other family. And I just remember going into my closet one time, which I don't know where everybody's quiet place spaces or whatever do you call where you spend your time with God, which obviously you don't need a place to do that. But, um, I had a little spot in my closet and I had a little chalkboard that was in there and I would just write things. I felt like God was saying to me, I just went in and Adam was, I can just visually see him in our bedroom and I was on the phone and they told us, told me no. And I just started crying. And then he got, I mean, he like went down on his knees physically, just like what we were just certain that one was the one. And, um, and he, he just, he got mad. He got, he was like, what are we doing? Like, this is, we can't, how much can we really, like, does God think we really can take all of this? Cause I, there's just, it's just too much. I mean, now we're into year four or five, I guess, of four, we're in year four of just we're listening, God, we're trying and no babies and no babies this way. No babies, the fertility treatment way. And, and Adam, I hung up and he, he was, he was like, Jess, is this going to happen? Is this really going to happen? And I was like, I, I think God said, go. That's all I could say is I heard God say, go. And because I didn't, I couldn't say to him, yes, this is going to end with the baby. All I could say is I know God told me go with adoption. And so when God tells me to go, I'm going to go with everything I have. And that's just how we do as a family. And he does too, but that doesn't mean when we go that there aren't going to be speed bumps where we like say, hold up, who's in control of this. Um, but in that moment, honestly, I didn't even, I didn't even process through he's in control. I was so devastated. I just, I had to just leave Adam where he was. I just walked into my closet and closed the door. And literally for one of the first times in, like that I can remember, I audibly cried out. I was so hurt and just broken and confused. I had no understanding of, of how a family could be faithful and what we felt God was calling us to and have to keep enduring this amount of pain and, and I hurt for my husband and for my daughter and for me and for all the people that we had to keep going back to and saying, not this time. And thank you for praying for us, but it didn't work or, you know, it sucked. It just sucked. And, um, and I just cried out to God and I just, I just remember saying, where are you? Like, we need you. Um, my husband's faith, both of our faith, it wasn't like we thought we were going to lose it, but we definitely had moments of questioning and, and, and just hurting in it. And, um, my daughter heard me and she came in mommy and she's little, but Olivia, 
my daughter is so perceptive and maternal and she's like been a 30 year old and a two year old body. I swear. I mean, since she was like two, she's just, and she's got a very strong faith, which I'm super grateful for. Um, God just gave her that heart. Um, I know that we've helped, but there've been so many people in her life that we're so grateful for that have fostered that heart for Jesus. And she just came in because she heard me crying. And up until that point, I had been very cautious and didn't show her my tears a lot because I didn't want her to worry was my thought. And so this freaked her out a bit. I mean, she was like, are you okay? Mommy? Okay. And, and then I just kind of tried to suck it up for a second. And in that moment, I just felt God saying, no, just cry. Let her see this part. This is, this part is real. Like if you shield her from all of this, she's going to hold back tears. She's not going to feel like she can show it. She's going to struggle too at some point in life. And we have to teach her that this is a part of life, but that God doesn't let us go. And I never said any of those words out loud to her. She literally just said, mommy. And I didn't even articulate everything that was going on. She knew that we were, because she knew every step of the way. She prayed with us every night for a baby, whether she would say in mommy's tummy or however you want to have our family. Like she would say the words we had said, um, And she said, I said, she knew we were waiting on a call from that one birth mom. And she said, we didn't get that baby, did we? And I said, no, honey. And she's paused and just said, it's going to be okay. God has us in his hand. And I just cried more (laughs) because she was right. Dang it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it hurt. And, um, and so we kept going. We just kept going. I mean, you just keep walking. We have a mom, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. We just kind of had to start saying, saying that, like you just got, whether it feels like you got to keep, you're going to go or not, you just got to keep going. And through those moments, like God, God worked, he worked so incredibly. And just the faith he grew in my daughter, you know, is something I would never want to take away. Um, and so, after all through through that, um, to May May was when we was when we were at that conference in 2012, literally May 10th, and May 10th the next year, we got a call from our agent and she said, "How far are you from Cook Children's Hospital?" And I said, "Well, it's like rush hour, but we could get there. Why?" And she said, "Well, a baby boy was born Monday. This was a Friday. Um, you need to get there quick or CPS will be involved because there were drugs involved and all these different things. And so I had no idea what any of that looked like with a baby who had had drugs in their system or anything like that. But, um, we, we knew it was time. So I called Adam at work and I'm bawling and I just said, honey, I think our baby is in Fort Worth. And he was like, uh, what are you talking about? Like <laughs> that was, was a crazy phone call. And I said, I, there was a baby. I was asked that you just need to come home. Like I couldn't even make sense. And he worked right across the street, literally. So he like, he's, I hear him telling all his people at work. Cause again, we never hit any of this. We were sharing and he's like, I think we, I think we have a baby and I think I have to go. <laughs> he's on the phone with me telling his people at work. And so, um, we called Olivia in there and explained to her. Cause at this point we just prayed and felt like God said, even if this doesn't work out, if it does, I don't want to just take our four-year-old daughter and be like, surprise, there's brother, you know? And so she was, she knew we prayed out loud in the car, the whole drive there. Um, rush hour was not bad, which is bonkers. If you live in DFW and you're ever on 35 
we got straight there. Um, we couldn't get in right away. Of course we had to actually wait the whole weekend. It was mother's day weekend. I had to lead worship. It was crazy. I cried through the whole thing, but Monday we got in to see him and we got to take him home the next day. Um, yeah, we, the minute we walked in, all three of us just bald and new. I mean, he was sitting a little bitty, one of those little bouncer things and perfect. He was perfect and fell in love instantaneously. And, um, and so I won't say the rest is history because it that's, that didn't just disappear, but we, we love, loved that moment. And so, um, so fast forward, adopted Elijah, um, went really great, um, through like just the finalization and everything. And then, um, we moved for ministry a few times in the process of, of being in a different state. Uh, we were in Oklahoma and so we didn't really have a lot of close family there at the time, but we had a lot of close family that we had formed that we had just made, um, there. And I got pretty sick. I had lots of aches and pains and, uh, just girl pains. I could tell it was like ovary related. I didn't know what was going on for sure. And, um, so my OB there said, let's, let's go in and just look and see what's going on. And so we did. And they found out that, um, when, when he went in, there was a, he did know I had a large cyst just from a sonogram, um, on my ovary, right ovary. And, so he got in and saw, he didn't realize how big it was. And so when he went to try to, to take it, it dissolved, it just took the whole, the whole ovary. And then he cleaned out what he could, but he, when I came out of surgery, um, I was a little out of it, a little loopy, but Adam was there and he came back in and, and I looked over to Adam and he looked concerned. And so I was like, Oh my goodness, what is he, what's going on? He said, honey, you, you've got stage four endometriosis and you lost one of your ovaries. And he just pretty much told me, and I was like, what in the world? Like we went in to figure out what was wrong, not to dissolve an ovary. Like, Oh my goodness. And, um, it was just, it was not, there was no help, but you couldn't help it. Um, and so they told us at that time we had about 4% chance of ever getting pregnant again with just all of those things, plus hypothyroidism and all these other things I was battling. And, um, and so that number, I don't know how they get that number, um, but it was like etched in my brain, 4%. And I went back to our our friends and family and campus, the church at the time, and we just all prayed. You know, we just were like, God, your will. You know, we knew we wanted more babies even still, but if this is not the way, we're open to adopt again. And at that time, our church was going through so many awesome series about worship series about adoption and fostering and things like that. And so, yeah, yeah and so it just rekindled that love and desire for fostering in God. And through all that season, just kept putting people in front of us that were walking through fostering to adopt or, or fertility or it, any and all of it. And I just remember thanking him for those moments. Those conversations are hard when we sit down with somebody who is in the middle of the darkness, either at the same time or even not, even at a different time, you don't forget that hurt. And, um, and I go to that very emotional it hurts me again. It hurts me all over again. And, and I hate that hurt. I hate that feeling, but I'm super grateful because, um, both in ministry and leading worship, but also just talking to people. I don't want to be the person that people come to and say, I'm hurting. And I just say, I'll pray for you. Um, I want, I want to be able to love them right where they are. And I feel like God has shown me so much and given me a heart for, that hurt. And so I re hurt. I, I go back through that hurt every single time. And, um, and I ask God, please just give me words because 
all of the situations are horrible. They all don't make sense. I don't have words, but sometimes it just takes me saying, I don't have words and this sucks. And just, I'm here cry. I'm, I, I have felt it. I'm feeling it right now with you. Um, just cry. Cause there's nothing else to say. There's not, none of us really know, but we, we believe in most of the coast conversations are with people who, who have faith. Not all of them. I've had some conversations with people who have none, but, um, but God is so good at putting those words in my mouth. And, um, and I believe he does that for all of us. If we just really seek him and ask him, but I don't, I don't forget it. I don't forget any bit of the journey. And so, um, we, we, we kept going through, through that season and, um, we're in the process again of adopting when we were in Oklahoma and we got called back to Texas to come back to the campus in Texas. And so we came and, um, again, all of these leaps of faith were out of our comfort zone, um, moving to Oklahoma where we knew no one moving back to Texas once we really loved the people in Oklahoma so, so much. Um, but again, in all those t- times we prayed and God said, go. So we, went. And, um, at that point we had two kids and it was wear and tear on them, but it was good. It was, it was teaching them faith. And when God says, go, we go. And they went and man, did God have a surprise waiting for them back in Texas. Go ahead and jump on over to episode two to hear the rest of Jessica's story. And also how her and her husband worked through the times when their faith was incredibly weak. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Joint Infertility Podcast. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Remember, God is with you. He sees your heart. He loves you and He is good. There will be beauty born from your journey. Have a great day.